Episode 29 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Time for some intensity. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 29 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside that. Well, it's a new month, new show, and uh, I've actually got a show that's a little bit, well I don't know if it's different, um, but you know, a lot of the shows I've done over the, the history of fitness behaviour have really probably been targeted at the newer exerciser, you know, a lot of the stuff is for people who maybe struggle with exercise. And this month I'm going to go for a topic that's a little bit more for the person who who isn't really trying to discover the habit of exercising. This is probably a little bit more targeted for the person who has been an exerciser in the past or is currently an exerciser. And I'm going to probably try to challenge you guys a little bit more around what you're doing with your exercise and some behavioral things that you can do to make yourself more effective and, and get better results from your exercise. So I'm going to go into that in a few minutes. But before I do go into that, I thought I might share a little bit of a, an experience I had uh, yesterday morning. And I um, I teach, I don't know, maybe 10 classes a week, 8 to 10 classes a week at a gym called Les Mills in Christchurch here. And uh, I've been teaching there since 99, so about 14 years now. And uh, you, one, one of the greatest things about my job as a fitness instructor is you establish these really amazing relationships with these people that you see, you know, five, six times a week. I often talk to my members about how I probably see them more than their family sees them, you know, than maybe not the immediate family they stay in the house with every day, but their family that, you know, their mum and, you know, and all the rest of it. And uh, so you have these amazing relationships. I often say how, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career that I've I've seen the whole world through fitness. I get to travel the world and, and go to conferences and present and have these kind of rock star moments. And uh, and, and I've been challenged by a lot of those positions and, and opportunities I've been given. But nothing beats those classes that I teach in Christchurch with the people who I have these really amazing relationships with. And one of these people I have an amazing relationship is a girl called Johanna. Johanna is this, this lovely kind of, very kind of caring soul who, um, she's Canadian and, and she's a, she's one of those, she actually lost a lot of weight when she first joined the gym. She was a girl who, you know, needed to lose some weight and she and she lost a lot of weight and she became a hardcore exerciser. She's one of those people who's at the gym every day and uh when you're teaching, Johanna's one of those girls who I, I really enjoy having in my class because She's she and she she shares her joy that she's having in her workout um, through her facial expressions. So when you're doing something, if you do something well, or, or if you just hit a moment with you with her, she she just has a look, and and it's almost like just letting you know that she's enjoying that moment. And uh, it's kind of one of those special things about being an instructor and and sharing those moments with your people. The other thing about Johanna is she's she's quite generous to me. She's um quite a positive character in my life you know she often tell me what I'm doing well and, and all the rest of it so you know one of those people in your life you like having around because they maybe reaffirm some of the good work you do and I taught a, a spin class or an RPM that's what Les Mills call it an RPM class yesterday morning 
And Johanna came up to me yesterday night. She did two classes yesterday. So she did the morning class and then the body attack class, which is like high impact, big class, 140 people in the room kind of thing. And um, she came up to me after the class and she said, I love what you said at the end of today's class. Meaning the RPM class I did in the morning. And for the life of me, <laughs> I didn't actually know what I had said. And I, and I, and I, I often when I teach the spin class, Spin is a very interesting workout because if we think about like high impact, there's a lot of movement happening, there's a lot of information you're trying to get across. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of just information at you getting you through the workout. Whereas with the bike classes, it's a pretty basic work at workout for an instructor to navigate. So there's not really that kind of need to spend so much time cueing them on how they need to move or, or what they should be doing. So you get a little bit more time to explore the inner of the workout, um, the, the inner, the mind and, and the challenge of the workout and the experience they are going through. And so when I uh, teach those classes, I often try to, there's certain tracks, like some tracks maybe a bit more trancey and, and the music kind of takes you to that place anyway. And then I see it that my role was to help you go deeper into that experience, you know, using, you know, great analogies or questions or confrontation or, or competition, whatever tool I choose to use at that moment so when she said this comment to me I thought oh maybe I said something in the inspirational moment and uh and I said oh what did I say because again I didn't really remember what I said and she said oh at the end of the class you said um enjoy it you earned it and I'm not sure if it's exactly what I said and exactly what she quoted me but it was something like that we've hit the heat the peak moment in the workout and you know I like to believe that I teach a hard class and uh and you know you know what I can honestly say I do teach a hard class and I know that because when I look up in front of me when I'm teaching in those really key moments in the workout you know when people are physically pushing themselves to their max and and the morning class the RPM class yesterday was one of those classes where with 30 seconds to go in the last part of the workout I looked up and all of these people were absolutely just destroying themselves to get to the end. It's it's a really special thing to see. And after that moment, uh, the, the next song's a warm-down song, so it's a bit more relaxing. It's about bringing your heart rate down, and, and it's a bit more reflective. And so that's where I said that term of, enjoy this moment, you earned it. Now again, I'm not sure if those were the words I used, but it was something like that. And, and that really had a note with Johanna and so much so that she came up to me after the class and, you know, said, hey, I really enjoyed that. And, and it got me thinking, really. And one of the things that we we need to do, and I may have touched on this in previous shows, I'm kind of getting to that moment with this, with this podcast that we do, that sometimes I worry that I've said stuff that I've said in the past. And, and you know what? That's going to happen. But sometimes we're so busy with getting to the next thing in life that we don't stop and enjoy those moments where we should be allowed to enjoy those moments. I'll say that again. Sometimes we're so busy in life trying to get to the next thing that we don't stop and enjoy the moments that were really hard to enjoy and we should be allowing ourselves to own and enjoy. And it was almost like by me saying that statement of, you know, enjoy it, you weren't it kind of thing, it allowed Johanna and probably other people in the room to stop in that moment and go, wow, I really did, you know, I'm dying, my body was dying, and, and the euphoria of that peak feels really awesome, what does that feel like right now? 
it's funny, you often see people doing classes or exercise and as soon as the session's finished, they just want to get on because they're going on to the next thing in life. And I suppose I wonder if we are doing ourselves a disservice by not taking those moments to actually own the reward of the hard work you've done. To allow yourself to, to reflect on what you've done well and, and to to feel good about yourself. You know, one of the things I've, I've learned a lot, especially in regards to exercise, is that so many people are always so hard on themselves and they live in a place of dissatisfaction. And, and unfortunately, when they do well, they, they don't allow themselves to own that. They always, you know, the dissatisfaction takes that away from them. You'll get someone who, you know, will do something really well and they still get to the end of it and they go, oh, yeah, but I still could have been better. Instead of enjoying that moment and owning, allowing themselves to own what that offers for you. So why am I telling you guys this? Well, I think it's something to reflect on, something to think about and something to contemplate, you know, when you're out there exercising and, and even though we all want to grow and there's, you know, progress forward for all of us is to find those little wins along the way and just to take a moment and, and don't rush away from that moment and just sit in that moment for a second and, and experience what it feels like to feel good. Because so many of us spend so much time reinforcing why we're not good enough and there are probably moments in your life right now where you are allowed you should be allowed to reinforce to yourself you're doing really well so this have some, have some thoughts about that think about that i haven't even started the show <laughs> i've done 10 minutes of just talking about a total random thought that came into my mind before i did my intro so hopefully you guys can take something from that i'm going to get into the show now so once again this is designed probably a little bit more for your your normal exerciser and I have got a couple great questions to answer at the end of the show so listen up uh, after our main bit of content anyway uh, let's get into it and here is the first part of the show it's it's crazy to think that this show has been going for nearly two and a half years um kind of blows my mind as I think about it and uh you know I imagine a lot of you guys have listened to you know pretty much all the episodes as a podcast it's it's not the biggest amount of content that's ever been out there if I look at my my Iron Man podcast you know we have over 360 shows and you know hundreds and hundreds of hours of content and this show I always thought to myself I wanted to start it off you know keep it monthly keep it around you know 30 to 50 minutes long um, and, and try to do better content because it's a bit more kind of educational than you know this week's news and um, it, it is interesting when you get new listeners because they tend to email you with a lot of enthusiasm which I love and uh, let you know that they've listened to all of the episodes you know within a very short period of time I one person emailed me told me they'd listened to all of them within like three days and I was like you poor thing having to listen to me that much and 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 I as I imagine most of you guys have listened to you know the majority of the episodes with fitness behavior one of the episodes that I still get a lot of feedback on was episode number nine and episode number nine was the one that was really targeted at the non-exerciser um how do we make the non-exerciser feel successful with exercise and that show really came from 
um, a study that I read into that was a lot around the idea that for the non-exerciser, they need the worst thing you can give them is intensity. And I, you know, if you recall that exercise I talked the episode, I talked a lot about how my industry is really great at, at creating products for the fit person. And for the non-exerciser, we're, we're pretty poor at creating products for those people. Hence, they fail and they feel unsuccessful with exercise. And in that episode, it was probably one of the key messages we were taking from the episode is, we've just got to make you feel successful. And how do we lessen the expectations to a point where you feel successful and so you can look to sit in that place for a while and then progress from that moment forward. Now, at that time... The other side of that study, which kind of said that for the non-exerciser, you know, success is the key thing and intensity is the worst thing you can give them. The other side of the exerciser, the study was saying that for the exerciser who has been around, you know, who, who knows how to exercise and knows the habit of having exercise in your life forever, ultimately, all you really want from exercise is that sense of intensity and that sense of you've overcome something very challenging. When you walk out of the room, you want to, or when you've finished your workout, you want to walk away from that workout knowing you've given 100%. That's the ultimate feeling that the, the experienced exerciser wants. They want to be challenged, they want to push themselves hard, and they want to get that that euphoric sense of achievement that comes from those challenging workouts. Now, as, as someone who works in the industry, there's some real key moments where you see people hit that, 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 that place where they're living in intensity. And I'm going to talk a little bit about those before I come into some ideas around how to get to intensity within your workout. And I think the first place is when somebody finds a new form of exercise. So one of the, one of the biggest kind of, influences or, or biggest products that's hit the market and the fitness market probably in the last four or five years has been the CrossFit market. Uh, CrossFit, for those you don't know, is based on HITS training, which is high intensity interval training. Um, very, very competitive environment. Um, you go along and, and, you know, there's a challenge each day pretty much and you compete against other people and it's a lot of kind of testosterone and, um, you know, you know, workouts are designed to just absolutely kind of blow you out of the water. And um, when when we had the earthquakes in Christchurch, I spent a bit of time doing CrossFit, and um, it definitely was hugely challenging. So, so let's say for example, someone new goes to CrossFit. Now, for the more experienced exerciser, when they first go to something like CrossFit, they hit it with vigor. They hit it like you've never seen it before. They suddenly find this new intensity because it's a new form of exercise, something they've never done before. It's a new environment. And they come in and they smash it with this high level of intensity. Now, I know I've just mentioned this around CrossFit, but it's 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 a pretty common trait that you'll see in any area when you see an exerciser or someone who, you know, I'm going to talk about the, the, the exerciser being the person who knows exercise whenever they come into that new area so it might be they go to a gym and they find a gym that really works for them it might be like with my running business you'll see someone who's been an exerciser maybe have lost their mojo a little bit and they join the running club and uh they just you know they go to that next level um you know their new environment and what's really interesting often with these people is there's this intensity that they gain for this first period of time in the experience and then 
over time, the better they get to know that world and the more they understand the habits of the world and the more they understand how this, this, this world works, the less intensity they bring to it. It's almost like once it becomes a habit, they no longer chase as hard to be as great as what they can be. It's that whole good is the enemy of great. When you first come into the world, you feel you have to be great. And then after a period of time, you understand how that works. And so you learned how to sit in a place where it's good. And it's almost like just turning up becomes good enough. The other time when you see uh, a lot of intensity come into people's workouts is when they set great goals. When they set a target. So let's say you have been doing CrossFit for a while. And, you know, when you first start out, you, you hit it with vigor. And, and you killed yourself and you loved it. And then you may have felt flat for a period of time. But then you set some targets around something that you're trying to achieve within a certain time frame. And, and that's one of those times where you see, once again, people really hitting intensity within their workout. Ultimately, what, what I think we should all be aiming for is trying to get to a place where we are consistently hitting the really high intensity that we want from our workouts when we're exercising. A few benefits for that. There's, there's obviously massive physical benefits. If you can train to higher intensities, your body has to adapt to higher levels. Um, it's going to respond better. You're going to get fitter, stronger. You know, you're going to achieve much better results because you hit the intensity of the workout. One thing that we need to acknowledge with exercise as well is that a lot of our esteem and our self-identity comes from the adversity we overcome with exercise. When we're in a period as an exerciser where we're feeling flat with our exercise, so you might still turn up to the gym. Like for example myself, I know I'm going to exercise for the rest of my life. Unless a freak accident takes the ability away from me to be able to exercise, I'm going to be able to exercise for the rest of my life and I will exercise for the rest of my life. Now there will be times when I exercise, exercise with amazing intensity and there will be times where I'm a little bit lost and it's in those lost times where it's not just the fact that I'm not exercising well, it's not much fun but also I feel a sense of loss of self because I like to be the person who absolutely blitzes myself when I work out and with that comes a sense of I'm the type of person who can overcome hard things. I take that, that sense of identification with that to all other areas of my life. When I'm blitzing myself with exercise, I look at my other areas of my life and go, well, if I can overcome that with exercise, I can overcome that in other areas of my life. And for those of you who are listening to the show today and, and have exercised for a while, I'm sure you identify with that kind of concept. And that's really what you start to lose when you go to the gym. Like, interestingly, for the first kind of, in the last year I've been trying to get back into the weights room and to be honest it's been a bit of a struggle for me and I had a period where I just wasn't bringing in any intensity. I'd turn up and I'd go do some weights but I was probably shying away from the challenge and I wasn't really challenging myself as much as I could and A, I didn't really enjoy the workout that much because I wasn't really hitting that intensity I want and B, I was going to that place where I was telling myself you're not what you used to be. Now, I'm 35, I've got plenty of time in my life to be stronger and fitter and be better than what I was in the past. And But it was just interesting because I wasn't bringing the intensity to the workout, my identity started to shift a little bit. And so I identified at that moment that what I needed to do was to really focus on how I can get intensity back into my workout. 
And that's really what we're going to touch on as we move forward in today's conversation is if you're listening to this right now and you know that you've got the habit of exercise, that you know that you can turn up at the gym 6.30 on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or you know that you turn up to your touch game of footy, or you know that um, you have no worries about getting out the door and going for a run by yourself, are you still bringing intensity to your workout? Are you getting what you ultimately really need and want from the workout? Or are you holding yourself back from that feeling? from that place that you ultimately want to get to. I'm going to go through a, a series of things that I think help bring intensity back into a workout and it will help you maybe reassess where you're at right now so you can really get the gains of that stuff I've just talked about. And I think the first thing we need to identify is the environment. I know I talk a lot about environments. Um, does your environment still challenge you? Are you finding people, places and challenges and, and types of exercises that challenge you? And maybe if not, maybe it's time that you shift environments. It's that classic thing of, I go to what I know, even though what I know no longer challenges me. I'll say that again. I go to what I know, even though what I know no longer challenges me. So you may have played rugby your whole life, and uh, but you're really not challenged by it anymore. You're not even trying to grow, but there's a habit with it. Maybe it's time to go, well, okay, now I might try some CrossFit or I might join a running club or I might join a cycling club or I might join a gym or, or whatever that is. And then how within that environment can you get more of a challenge? I probably won't touch on environments much because I often talk about environments, but you kind of get what I mean here. Maybe it's just time for you to move in a different direction. Second thing I want to talk about is, is goal setting, is having something that you feel you are working towards. And, um, and I've obviously done my show on goals a while ago, but to really try to set some targets around it. You know, once again, I know I can turn up and go to the gym, but if I have a challenge that I'm working towards, it helps me bring out another level of self. And for the, for the more competitively minded, which to be honest, a lot of people who have been exercisers for their whole life, they do have that competitive shriek in them a lot more than the person who's a non-exerciser. How do you add competition to the way you are doing exercise? So one thing I've been trying to do is, is to try to find a training partner, someone of similar ability, and, and to try to set up little kind of workouts that are about us challenging each other and try to see who can max out and get the best efforts in those workouts. Now, I know that if I put myself in that environment, I bring an intensity that I don't bring when I'm by myself. So how can you use competition to gain more intensity? Now those three points that I've talked about, environments, goals and competition, are kind of big picture things that are with outside of yourself. You know, I go to an outside environment or an environment that, you know, controls my experience. I set goals that are about, well that's probably not so much outside yourself, but those goals, you know, playing those well. And competition is a way of using outside environments uh, and people to help you get stronger. Now what I'm going to talk about is how to get your mind ready for an intense workout. I'm going to share probably a system or, or a way of doing it that I, I kind of tend to use myself around exercising and try to keep intensity in my workout. So the first thing we need to do, so this is based on the person who has the habit of exercise, so you're not so much worried about trying to, you know, getting to the gym or getting to your workout probably isn't so much of a challenge for you. But let's say, let's let's create a situation, a day where you know you're going to go, let's use a run. So you're going to go to a track session for a run, which 
you know, potentially could be very challenging for you. The first thing we want to do is, before we even go to the place where we're going to exercise, is allow some time to set objectives for that session. What are the outcomes and the targets that I'm trying to achieve within this session? So let's say I'm going down to the park and for today's session I want to be doing, I don't know, eight 1K sets. So I'll run a K with a minute off. So 1K on, one minute off, times eight. So the first thing we want to do when we think about how to get the most out of our workouts is before I even get to the park and start my session is to put aside some time to think about the objectives of your sessions. If we think back to the visualization podcast I did, it's a little bit about that morning planning stuff. You know, the best thing I do before I have a good session is I sit down and I just spend, it doesn't take long, just a couple minutes thinking about what I want to achieve within that workout, what are the hard moments within that workout, and almost visualize and feel myself achieving those things or aiming for going for those things. So let's say I'm doing, you know, eight one minute K, eight Ks, eight sets of one K on one minute off. And on my target time is to go three minute thirty Ks for that time. So the first thing I do before I even start that session is I'll just sit down and you can do this in the car before the session. You can do this before you leave your house. You can do this, you know, before you leave work. But find a quiet space and just sit and think about the objectives. If you've done the session in the past, you can look to your past sessions and think about where you can get some gains. And then really see those key moments. You may visualize, you know, looking at the watch with, you know, 50 meters to go and seeing, you know, that you've you've got, you know, 20 seconds to get that last 50 meters out. You might, you know, think about the process of getting through those types of decisions you're going to have to make to be successful in that session. Pre-planning for success is one of the most important things we can do for our mental game. And it's one of the things that we most neglect when it comes to adding intensity and quality to our workouts. Again, it's kind of like what I was talking about before this show begun. You know, that we don't allow that space in our day that when we do well to allow that space to own it. But we also don't allow that space before a session to really plan how we are going to get the most out of the session. So my first point in your plan for intensity is make sure when you think about planning your exercise time in that you allow some time before the session to pre-plan, contemplate, set objectives and targets for that session. Now will this mean that you always nail those targets? No, but that pre-planning will definitely give you a higher chance of being able to go for those targets. The next thing we want to do is obviously start exercising. You'll do your warm up and, and preparation for the workout. And again, let's look at my eight 1K sets on, one minute off kind of set. So then what we start to do is if you've set some targets beforehand, and I've said for myself that I want to sit on three minute 30Ks eight times. So that's the target I'm aiming for. Now, when you're setting your targets, you need to also be realistic. Is that a challenging target? So for me to sit on that K pace, you know, at first probably isn't the most challenging K pace, but by the eight, you know, five, six, seven, eight set, that might be challenging, be pretty challenging. So you've you've set a good challenge before you even start the session. Then when you're you're actually starting to exercise, a lot of what you're trying to do is get an understanding of where you are within within your intensity scale. Okay, so where am I working at? What level am I working at 
within my workout right now. Now we've got some great tools to do that with nowadays. You can use tools like your heart rate monitor. You know, a lot of runners nowadays have GPS monitors on your cycles. You've got all those tools like your GPS, your power outlets. You know, there's there's a lot of good feedback tools that we can use within our intensity scales as well. So there's things like that. Or you could just use good old-fashioned a scale of 1 to 10 on perceived exertion. So perceived exertion is how hard do I feel I am working Zero being not moving at all, 10 being you're working as hard as you could, which you could probably only hold for about five seconds. So once you start your workout, that's what you're really trying to understand is on my my, my perceived exertion scale, where am I sitting? Now, unless you're a sprinter who's pretty much going, you know, 100% on for 10 seconds, um, most of us are going to build towards intensity and exercise. So in the early stage of exercise, you are really trying to figure out what what can I hold, what is challenging, what is not challenging. And over time, the more established or the, the better you get at understanding intensity, the better you get at understanding how long you can hold certain intensities. If we think of the intensity scale of 0 to 10, what we find is that really intensity scales, I like to think of exercise as tension. It really is, if you, once you start exercising, you build a certain level of tension on the intensity scale. And certain people can hold certain tensions for certain periods of time. So if the scale is at the lower end, let's say you're working at 5 out of 10 of intensity, generally you can hold that intensity for a longer period of time. So if I'm going at 5 out of 10 of my, my intensity scale, I can hold that for a real long time. So I might be able to hold 5 out of 10 for 2 hours really comfortably. By the end of 2 hours, fatigue may set in, so you know, intensity may come along. But really, two, 5 out of 10 is not that tough. If I go to 10 out of 10, I'd be lucky to hold it for 10 to 30 seconds to a minute. Okay, So really, when we think about the intensity scale, the higher the intensity goes, the less time you can stay within each higher point on that scale. So in the earlier stages of the workout, what we're trying to do is we're just trying to establish where are we within the scale. Okay, so I've started my first set, 3 minute 30s, feeling pretty fit, I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty fresh. So I might say that I'm sitting on a 6.5 to 7 out of 10, pushing myself but not dying, maybe 7.5 out of 10. You know, no, I can do it. I'm in a place where I know I can make these sets, no worries. Once you understand where your intensity scale is at, and you can understand how that feels in your body, then you can start to explore finding the next level. And the, the clearer we can get around to figure out where we are on scales, the clearer we can set some targets. So let's say I've now done two or three sets in this eight sets of mine, and my intensity scale is sitting on seven and a half out of ten, still feeling pushed but not killing myself. Then the question I need to ask myself is, can I increase my intensity by the smallest step forward? Can I increase my intensity by the smallest step forward? Now because we're only halfway through the workout, we don't want to go for that maximum effort yet because we've got a long way in front of us. But if I'm working in 7.5 out of 10 and I'm in my third set, by now I'm really trying to discover where's that next level of intensity that I can hold but it's not going to blow me up. So I may have been sitting in 7 out of 10, still sitting on 3 minute 30s, been comfortable with 3 minute 30s. Maybe I can aim to now go to 325s, maybe even 320s. 
325 is a bit of a step up, but it's not a massive step up. It's not an absolute blasting out of the water. So I then explore, can I increase it by just a little bit? So in the next set, I go for 325s, which may feel more like 8 out of 10 with my intensity scale. And I get in that set, and I realize that although the set is challenging and more challenging than the sets I've done to that moment, I've definitely been able to hold that intensity. And really in in that middle part of the workout I'm talking about here, I'm really discovering what is that kind of point that I can still hold that's challenging me, but I know I can still make it to the end. Now, the closer I get to the end of the workout, the more of a risk I'm going to take for failure. So, you know, maybe in the last three sets where I'm, you know, now fatigue setting in, and it might even be just holding that the same pace becomes challenging. What level of intensity can I increase more to? So maybe by set number six, I'm still sitting on eight out of 10, but I now know I only have two more sets to go. You know, set number seven, set number eight. I know that I'm close to the finish and this is the moment where I really try to find that 9 out of 10 and maybe even in the last part of the last set that 10 out of 10. So once again I might start the set at 8 out of 10 but as it progresses try to lift that intensity higher and try to hold that higher level for as long as I can. Really trying to hit that maximum feeling. Now something may happen at this point which can often happen when we get to high intensity we may get to the point when we can no longer hold that, let's say I get to 9 out of 10 and I'm in my last set and I've still got a minute 30 to go, that I can no longer hold that 9 out of 10, I'm absolutely killing myself. The next question becomes at that moment is, if I can't hold 9 out of 10, how much less can I still hold that will give me the best result that I desire? I'll say that again. If I can't hold 9 out of 10, How much less can I still hold that will give me the best result that I desire? So often what happens with people with intensity is that they get to a moment where it's very, very hard and they can no longer hold it. And the biggest downfall they do at that moment is they completely fall off the intensity altogether. So they might be sitting on 9 out of 10 for a certain period of time and they only have a minute left to go. But because it's so hard, they go, I bugger this and they go right back to like 6 out of 10. And they just cruise the last minute. Ideally, we want you to get through that last minute or last two minutes, depending on how long it is, as best you can. So in that moment, the next question goes, what is the next step back? So I can't hold 9 out of 10 anymore. I can't do this. It's just not possible. I'm giving everything I can. Can I still hold 8.5? Can I still hold 8? If you can do that, you're going to get a much better result sure if you're racing but also just in your workout because you've held that higher intensity for a longer period of time also you'll feel that reward of I didn't give up you know when there's one minute to go and you go from a nine to a six there's a sense of dissatisfaction because you know you gave up in the key moment in the workout now you may not be enough to hold the pace that you're holding but if you get to the end of it knowing that you gave everything you could you get that that sense of satisfaction that comes along it with it a couple of things to think about in regards to intensity when you're training. When it gets really, really hard, try to think about the process of the movement that you are doing. So for example, in uh, CrossFit, you might be doing throwing the balls up against the wall and you're really starting to tire. Now often when we get to that place, we can go to an emotionally negative place. 
when we really struggle, and again, because we get a lot of personality and ego from exercise, we can go to a place where we're reinforcing what's wrong with us. Oh my God, this is so hard. Oh man, I'm never really good at pushing through hard moments. Oh, I suck at this. Or, you know, you're reinforcing all those kind of negative self-talk thoughts in your head. At that moment, just go back to what are the things that I can do with my technique to make me be successful in this movement. So in, in CrossFit, for example, they have the, the squat ball throws so that you'll basically, you'll be facing a wall. You've got a medicine ball in your hand. You have to squat down low, push the ball up high above a line that's on the wall. And you might have to pump out 30 of those. And, and let's say you've done three sets of that already and you're in your last set and you're absolutely dying. Your intensity scale is on like nine out of 10. And in that moment, you start to feel that you're going to an emotional place where you're starting to beat yourself up. It's, it's quite common to see people do this. It's not going to help you get the best result possible. So if that's the case, what can you control physically in your movement to help you get success-free to the end of the movement? So if you go to an emotional place, you might just try to keep pushing on through and absolutely not even get above the line and feel you're failing. But if you go to a place where you focus on your technique, you might go, okay, I can't hold this intensity. Where's the next step back? Okay, I can hold an eight. What does that mean? Maybe I slow down my pace of the pushing up and down a little bit faster, slower. Then what I need to do is I need to focus on making sure I go lower to use my legs more than my arms because my arms are tired. Then what I need to do is get from the bottom and explode up and push that ball as high as possible. Making sure that when the ball comes back down, I catch it by bending my legs, preparing for the next push up. In that real intense physical moment where you're physically exhausted and you're absolutely killing yourself, to be able to remove yourself from the emotional place where I'm never going to be able to do this to the place of what are the things that I can control within my body to make me more successful will help you be more successful. I can think of an example. I once, when I was doing the CrossFit workouts, they had a circuit that was really challenging, and but it did work in my favor. I'm a very cardiovascular strong athlete. I'm probably not strength based when it comes to CrossFit that strong, but cardio wise, I was always I'm, I'm pretty good. And uh, I remember we did the circuit where I don't know it was like a ball jump. Um, you had to do some squats, then you had to do a 400 meter sprint, and then some box jumps. Now. I was doing really well. I think I was winning the little competition, which you know I, I, I did enjoy. Um, and I got to the, like two sets to go in the box jumps, and I was ten out of ten in my intensity zone. And I knew that I was really starting to struggle. And in my mind, I was starting to go to that place. Oh my God, you went too hard too early. And so you start to go to that negative place. Oh, you fool! You shouldn't have done that. I was able to identify even in that really high intensity moment that that's not going to help me get to the finish of this workout as best as possible. I thought to myself, what are the physical things I can do to make sure I achieve this better? I allowed myself to slow down my box jumps a little bit more, but still try to work in a breathing rate that was really hard for me. I focused on bending lower and pushing up high as I jumped up and down on the box, and also not to spend so much time on the top of the box because the downward fall didn't take up any energy. Now by doing that, I was able to hold a higher intensity for a longer period of time. So in those moments when you feel you're really dying, what are the physical things that you can still do to hold your intensity? I think one other thing to think about beforehand, I said, you know, before the session, spend some time mentally preparing for the objectives and, and the hard moments within the workout. 
I think to also do that with in your workout. You know, in those first stages of the workout when you're just getting a sense of where you are within your intensity scale and, and where you're going to be working, by then you're going to know when the hard moments are going to hit. And I think that if you can predetermine the actions that you're going to take at that moment, there's a much higher chance that you're going to take them there. It's almost like pre-planning what's going to happen. So you might be doing a class at the gym, an aerobics class, and you know, you know, the last track is really, really hard and you've got three tracks to go. And you might see yourself in that last track just absolutely blitzing yourself, you know, getting your knees as high as you can when you run with high knee runs. Or it might be in the press-up track, the beginning part of the track. It's almost like you're seeing yourself in the last part of that track absolutely destroying yourself. Within the workout, to do some pre-planning for those hard moments and actually determine what you're going to do in those moments. And then lastly, I think the last point I'll add is do use a positive emotion when you get close to the end. So there does become a moment within our workouts where you don't necessarily have to worry so much about the process of moving. But it ne- you need to pick this moment well. It's that moment where you know you can give everything you can for the allocated time less. So you might think, you know, you're doing my 800, my 8 times 1K sets and I'm on my last set and there's a minute to go and I've been dying to this point and I've been really well controlled with my emotions and my movement and my intensity scale. And at this moment, I then decide to push on and go absolutely crazy for one minute, holding on just with everything I've got. You can do this at the end of the workout because you know that once it's completed, you know, you get to recover. And at that place, you can go to an emotional place where it is about you and your and your ego and all the rest of it. There's, there's real value on that. A couple of quick things to add to when you think about adding intensity to your workout is the use of music. I, I think music is a really powerful tool for exercise and uh, that's one of the reasons I love group fitness so much is that, you know, you're using music as a way to motivate people. And, you know, if you've got a big session coming up, you know, get, get your favorite playlist on and, and really put it on, crank it up and help that drive your intensity. Um, it really helps as well. Then once you finish your workout, to assess the way you treated the intensity of the workout. So if you do a pre-planning session before the workout to do a, a post-workout assessment. And what you're looking at there is you're looking at those key moments where deep down you know you probably could have gone a little bit harder. I'll give an example. I did a, a weight session the other week where I did back weights and I've just recently come into a new program and so I'm kind of finding my feet and uh, the week beforehand I didn't really have a massive intense workout and I could have looked at it and gone well it's because it's a new workout but actually I was just being a bit soft so before the session after the session I really thought about the key moments in that workout I do a set which is um pretty intense it takes about five minutes just to do one exercise non-stop movements different weights kind of like a massive drop set and after that workout I realized that I really probably didn't go to the scale of intensity that I needed so after that workout, I sat and I thought, okay, so next week when I come along, that moment there, and I, and I saw it within my head, is where I want to really take it to the next level. So post-workout, to actually do some reflection on your workout and to identify where I can improve on next time, which will lead quite well into your prep time next time and also when you hit the workout. 
I find that I find the pre-planning stuff really amazing. I find that the more we can do it, the more successful you're going to be at that moment. Now, if I if I do a bit of a wrap up of this this kind of the thoughts I've been sharing here, I think the the key things to remember is first of all is um, if you are the habit is holding you back from intensity, maybe it's time to look for new environments or set some goals within the environments you're in. Try to find competition. You know, try to find people who will make you compete in ways that are realistic for your ability and then think about the process I've talked about today so the process goes pre-workout planning set objectives set targets once you start your workout learning where you are within the intensity scale and then within that trying to find the small steps forward with the intensity scale at that time you're also trying to identify when the key moments in your workout are going to come up and you pre-plan the actions that you are going to take at those key moments once your intensity scale hits that higher level of you know that eight that nine when you're absolutely killing yourself focus on the physical things you can do within your movement to still maintain the level you're working at so focus on the process not the emotion the closer you get to the end and when that time frame is close enough then go all out with emotion and just push through to that end Post-session, then to do the reflection on the moments where you can improve on and see what you can improve on for your next workout. Lastly, practice. You know, this is just a skill that we use, a skill that we can use to improve our ability to work harder. And the more opportunities you can give yourself to practice this stuff, the better results and workouts you are going to have. So plan the stuff. Plan sessions that are going to be really intense, but don't just go into them blind, because if you go into them blind, the chances of you going for intensity are going to be a lot, lot less. If anything, you'll probably walk away from those workouts feeling dissatisfied because you didn't hit them hard. Once you've set up the, the challenge, then get in, go in that process. I can almost guarantee that if you were to devote those few minutes before a session to think about the stuff during a session and then devote a few minutes after a session every time you trained, you'd get a much higher level of satisfaction and much better results from your training. And ultimately, if we think about the new exerciser, they want to feel successful. But for you guys listening today, you know deep down within yourself, you want to walk away from today's workout knowing you've given everything you've gotten and like I always say these skills are transferable when we think about intensity we bring into other areas of our life you can use this kind of model to take this into other areas of your life when you have intense moments coming up ultimately if you can train to this high level intensity you're going to enjoy exercise more you're going to get much better results and your your esteem from exercise Will increase tenfold which ultimately leads you to that better version of yourself all right guys that's uh, pretty much the main content of today's show pretty much wrapped up uh hopefully you go guys go out and smash today's workout and get something from this I really do believe it. There's, there's a lot of value in this stuff that I talked about today. Exercise, actually, for the non for the exerciser who's been doing it for a long time, it's just not much fun when you're just turning up, ticking the boxes. There's, there's that sense of that uh, comes with it. <laughs> if there's such a term, <laughs> and uh, and you know that when you kill yourself in the exercise, 
that's when you get the most satisfaction from it. So, you know, practice some of this stuff and, and I think you'll get a lot of value from it. Give me some feedback. Send me an email at bevanjames at gmail.com or you can go to my website bevanjamesisles.com and um, yeah, send me, some, send me some thoughts on how you go with this stuff. Got a couple of questions coming through this month that I thought I'd like to uh, talk about. The first one comes from Jan and, and actually I'll read the email. Um, she's saying, if you use exercise to out-train your diet, so she's saying she's not a bad eater, she just overeats a little bit, she's saying, not a bad diet, but regularly overeating with healthy foods, and yes, sadly that works, I can eat 3kg of meat, veggies, and fruit in one setting. I know I am doing this to some degree, and it works, but it is fragile in the case of injuries. When I cannot exercise due to time constraints or injuries, I feel bad for not exercising. Do not get the kick of exercising and try to compensate by eating which is the worst thing that I can do as I get fat. She was uh, 87 kg so she's lost about 10 kg she's now about 78. How do I allow my body to heal she had a thigh injury without exercising and still being healthy? It's a really interesting thing actually it's, it's one of the things you see a lot within the industry that I work in and that uh, particularly in group fitness, because in group fitness, the group fitness instructors tend to exercise, like if you go to a gym, the group fitness instructors are the ones who probably exercise the most out of the staff that work at the gym. PTs will exercise, but they, they tend to be more weights-based, and I don't tend to do them a volume of exercise that a group fitness instructor will do. Um, and, and group fitness instructors, because they do so much volume of exercise, it's almost like they can get away with murder in their diet. And you'll see a lot of them having pretty terrible diets. And once again, you can get away with it because of the amount of calories you're burning through the exercise that you are doing. But then when things like injuries come along, they've got these really bad habits around their diet, you know, and, and the way they eat. And so suddenly they've, they've confronted with the idea of maybe putting on weight or, or getting unhealthy and uh, because I've always exercised in the past, I've never had to think about it. And unfortunately, sometimes you see people leave the industry and they put on a lot of weight really quickly because they've got this habit of eating a high volume of food and probably an excessive amount of food. And at the same time, they probably needed it at that time, but they've high volume and often not very good foods. So, and, and I suppose for myself, I had an experience with this when I did Ironman. So when I did Ironman, I ate stupid amount of food I'll give you a typical day so I would wake up in the morning and I would have eight bits of toast for breakfast sometimes 10 bits of toast um, and I'd probably have a banana with that as well so 10 bits of toast with banana and peanut butter and stuff on top of it then I at around two or three hours within the next two or three hours I'd then have a bowl of porridge and like a bowl of porridge not just like a handful like a bowl of porridge then I'd have some fruit about another hour later then at lunchtime um have like sandwich and fruit and stuff in the afternoon I'd tend to have another kind of couple bits of fruit a snack bar and then at dinner time I would have a massive carbohydrate meal like I was eating thousands and thousands of calories a day now at that time I needed those calories when I was you know at that time at some of those times I was still losing weight even when I was eating that much food you know when you train 30 hours a week you're going to be burning some calories then when I gave up Ironman, I suddenly had to, a total shift in my diet. And I went through a period where I almost had to learn to 
be a little bit hungry because my body was so used to having this high volume of food and I just no longer had the need for that much food anymore. So there was a period of probably about a month to six weeks where I was still eating enough food for the amount of exercise that I was doing but it was a lot less than I had previously done in the past. And I had to almost learn a little bit of that feeling of being hungry and staying away from food at that time. Now it didn't take long for my body to adapt and after a while the amount of food that I needed to eat to stay in a healthy you know, range of, of weight and not that I really worry about weight that much but it, I figured it out and that hungry feeling disappeared. My body kind of figured it out. I think that my advice for you Jan would be is use a multi-tooled approach to overcoming this, this habit you have of probably eating, even though it's healthy food, too much food. And when I say a multi-tooled approach, like it's you want it, you want a bit of a strategy that creates awareness around when you're eating. So it might be you take a a food diary. You know, nowadays we've got the great devices on our phones where we can keep a record of what we're eating. Um, you may set some black and white rules around the foods that you know that are your weakness foods. So you might say that okay, well, I eat too much chocolate at night. So I might set some black and white rules around I only eat chocolate on the weekend. Um, you may set up a food measurement system that kind of sets some some good parameters around the amount of food that you want to be eating. Then you could use some things like using fluids to make you feel a little bit fuller. Um, you know, like people like to use the shakes and have less volume of calories in them as a way to make them feel full around food times. You also want to maybe do some mental preparation around how do you change the habits that you're going to do. If you think back to the Action Triggers podcast um, you know, maybe you have an action series triggers a podcast when it comes to you to dishing up your food. And can you break that down a little bit so that you can learn to not dish up so much food? And on top of that, maybe you can mentally prepare smaller meals so there's not much food left after at the end of it. I think ultimately when we think about it, it's like the smoker, when the smoker gives up, it's, it's having one strategy is not always the best way of doing it. I think if you can think of a multi-tiered strategy that really helps you work around this, this problem that needs to be solved and then really hit it from all those different angles, there's a much higher chance that you're going to be successful in doing it. So have a think about that, put some time aside to put that in place and you'll find you'll, you, know, you'll, you'll, you will get there and uh, so trust that system. Hope that helps. I got an email here from a lady called Hannah, and it's, it's a slightly different, it's not really a fitness question, and uh, so I'll read it out, um, she's trying to work out, what, so she's saying she loves the show, which is really good, and uh, she's saying that she enjoys the show, and she admires my ability to communicate, she says that I'm real honest, passionate and relatable, but also the material you present is reliably thought-provoking and engaging, but also inclusive to many and sympathetic, never judging. The question I have for you is that has your ability to communicate in the way you do been a gift that you have always had or has it been a skill that you've worked on and if so are there any books that you would recommend which would help you or to become a better communicator that you are today or become the communicator you are today. I have always struggled with getting what I want to say in my head delivered in a way I want it to be delivered and always end up beating myself up over just not being able to get across what I truly want to say. It's not a lack of confidence, it just doesn't come easy to me, this skill, and I'm always looking for areas of self-improvement. This is an area that I would really value your assistance with. 
uh, she goes on to say she enjoys the show and stuff. And I suppose the question really is around communication. And to be honest, I, I don't know if I think of myself as a good communicator or not. Um, it's definitely, unfortunately for me, um, <laughs> I come from a long line of talkers. Uh, my family are all talkers and you know, Christmas dinner at my house is always pretty challenging. And I do find that, you know, if I was given one skill in early in life, it was the ability to talk. And uh, and for some reason, uh, well, some people like to listen. I don't know if everyone likes to listen. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think there's a few things I probably do well that I haven't really spent time learning about, but there is some some stuff that you can take from, from what I do. And I think there's a few, is I use a lot of analogies I use a lot of stories in the way I communicate and I think that really helps there's a great book actually actually okay if there is a book to read it's called Made to Stick by the Heath Brothers um I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this week's show or this month's show and and it really is the whole idea of how do you get a a thought into somebody else's head and it's, it's actually read that book and it's not necessarily about communication as such but it gives you an idea of some of the key things the ways that we can take on messages from others and I think if anything maybe over time I've learned a few of those tricks like you know when you tell a story it works so much better than if I were to just tell you facts and I think luckily maybe that I have a lot of life experiences that I can tap into. Like I know when I sit down to write an article, I often think of what message am I trying to get across first? And then what experience can I bring to this that will help people sit in line with that message more? And so um, I think the use of stories, um, I think the other thing to really be aware of as well is that I'm sure people probably do understand you quite well and it might just be the thing that you are really self-aware of. So for me, my reading out loud is the thing that even when I read to you, you know, your message there, uh, I'm still in a place where I know the process I need to be in. So I know I need to look ahead for words and I, you know, need to say the words that are for ahead of me and all the rest of it. And I'm getting better and better as as time goes along. But when I feel a bit of pressure go on, I go to a place of, oh no, you're stuffing up, you're stuffing up with inside my head, which takes me away from, you know, the process of reading out loud. One thing I've really been working on is trying to remove that distraction that I, that has come up from that lack of esteem I have in this area. That, you know, the distraction that when I'm reading out loud, I have this reinforcement that I'm not very good at reading out loud. And so, for the, you know, up until... You know, even to this moment in my life, that distraction will come up when I start to struggle. And really what I'm trying to learn to do is to remove that distraction and just focus on the process of what it takes to read out loud. It's still something I'm working on. Um, and, and actually I got a beautiful email from one of my listeners on my other podcast a few weeks ago saying he... You know, he's listened to me read out loud for seven years and um, on my other podcast. And, you know, you guys know I'm not great at this. And um, and he, say, he sent me a beautiful email saying, wow, how amazing your reading has come along. Because when I first started the podcast, it was it was kind of kind of awful. <laughs> and, and awful in a way that was, you know, kind of took the flow of the show away. And he was saying, you know, you've just, you know, now when you read out on the show... You know, I'm still not the greatest reader of all time, but it's a lot better. And one of the biggest things that's helped me do that is to help to remove the distraction of I'm a bad reader when I'm reading.
And so maybe one of the things that you can work on is to, to look for signs that can help you see if people are understanding what you're communicating and to, to almost try to figure out a way that you can remove that distraction of, I'm a bad communicator. I'm not sure if you're a good communicator or not. You, the way you write's bloody good, so I'm sure I'm sure you are, and I'm sure this isn't as bad as what you think it is, because that's often the case. But to think some think, learn about that place there, and and maybe read that mate stick book, and and I suppose maybe just list, you know what I'm not sure of why you think I'm good at communicating, um, or if I'm a good communicator or not. But maybe you know why why do you think I do it well, and then maybe what what are some of the skills that you can take away from that and can you practice those skills and maybe who are some other communicators that you feel have a real ability to to express their idea and what do they do that is really phenomenal and can you copy it because really communication like a lot of things in life is just a skill we have learned and if you were to spend some time developing that skill would you get better at it? And, and I'd probably argue yes so I hope that helps Anyway, team, uh, it's an hour, which I don't normally go for with fitness behavior, so I've done an hour, I've knocked out an hour, so I can communicate. It's funny doing a show by yourself, because I'm literally in my office here by myself, sitting away, it's what, it's a Tuesday morning, 10.44 in the morning, it's a kind of dull day outside, and I'm sitting here in my office by myself, so... Um, hopefully you get a lot out of today's show. Again, if you have any questions, you can always email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you go to my website, you'll probably notice this year that I haven't really been putting much content out uh, as in writing and just all that other stuff. And, and the podcast, I've probably been a little bit slacker on this year. I've just been busy with other areas of my life, but I'm now going to be putting out a written piece once a week because I'm now writing for the local paper on the weekly way and uh, my book is not really progressing so I've decided I'm going to take a week off probably in June and uh, go away I'm going to hire a batch I'm going I'm to do the writer's dream basically I'm going to hire a batch and I'm going to buy some groceries I'm going to probably not have the internet around and I'm just going to write for a week and uh, and I've one purpose is just to finish my book. I'm fortunate for my book because I don't really have to do any more research for it. It's really just getting what's in my head on a piece of paper. So um, really around June I plan to have like pretty much seven days of just in-depth writing in my book. So look out for that. That probably won't come out because of the process once you've written it. You know, there's still a bit of a process to get it kind of out there. So probably later this year will be when we're looking to really get the book to the market. But look out for that. Also look out for some of my articles. Again, if you want to get the show emailed to you, you can go to my bevanjamesoffice.com and under each article, they just have a link to get this email to you and you can get that done. Um, Other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful month. Um, I'm, I'm sure I will as well and uh, we look forward to next month's show spread the word, tell the world about what we're doing here and I'll see you guys next month